Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to today's guest speaker, Chris Dew, for this week's message. What's up, Vineyard Church? It's Chris Dew. Uh, I'm so excited to be with you guys again. I love our church family. It's been a crazy season of church right now, a beautiful season of church. Uh, We're coming out of prayer and fasting, which hundreds of us were a part of, which is incredible. And then last Sunday, heard from Pastor Chris about the future of our church and the vision that God has for the next few months, years, and into the future. What an incredible time to be a part of the Vineyard Church. Let's pray together real quick and then we'll jump into the message. Heavenly Father, I love you. I'm grateful that you speak to us through your word, uh, that you're present with us right now. God, I pray that you would speak through me and uh, that you would break chains. Uh, that you, please lead us into greater uh, degrees of freedom. And I pray that you'd be glorified. Uh, would you comfort hurting people right now? And would you lead us uh, to live on mission um, in huge ways? We love you, Jesus. Uh, we're thankful to be uh, hearing your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many people have ever felt trapped before? Has anybody ever felt trapped? Um, I have, especially on my honeymoon. And I know you're probably thinking, well, how did you feel trapped on your honeymoon? Wasn't it awesome? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. My honeymoon was incredible. We went out of the country, had a great time, ate awesome food, hung out by the beach, just had a great time. Except then we had to fly um, home and to come through customs. I mean, for an average person, customs is fine, right? You you come through uh, the line and you're up at the counter and they say, hey, how was your trip? Where did you go? Ask you a few weird questions, stamp your passport, and then you're home. You get to go freely into the country. And then the next person comes up, they ask you a few weird questions, they stamp your passport, and then you get to go back into the country. I was in line, hanging out with my beautiful wife on that honeymoon high, if you know what I mean. Just like, oh my gosh, we're going to start our life together. This is amazing. I can't believe we're married. Like smiling, you know, the honeymoon high, you know what I'm talking about. Excited for what life is going to look like. But then it was our turn to come up to the counter. And if you know anything about my story, which a lot of you guys do, I have a past in addiction. Um, I was a heroin addict for a long time. I heard the gospel. I heard about Jesus. And I have been free now for almost 10 years. Uh, But what goes along with addiction is lots of issues, health issues, family issues, financial issues, and a few issues with uh, the law sometimes, a few legal issues. Uh, But all all of that had been handled, or so I thought. And I'm standing in this line, and you can imagine what's happening um, in this story. Ultimately, I get to the counter, and they say, all right, 
ask me the same few questions and say, okay, I'm gonna need y'all to go in this room over here. And I was like, uh oh, right? I, I, I was like, I don't, I don't know what's going on right now. Or, here's what I thought was going on is my wife um, like really loves huge leaves. It's a weird thing that she likes like huge plants and leaves and stuff. So she had brought a leaf back from the trip we were on. And I was sure that they knew she had that leaf in her bag and that that's why they had uh, stopped us and that's why we were getting in trouble. I was wrong. So we get put in this room and we're there for about an hour. And then finally after an hour, they call me up to the counter, only me. They didn't call Kathleen, they just called me. I knew something was wrong at that point. And they said, excuse me, Mr. Dew, uh, do you know why I'm holding you right now? And I was like, no, no, listen, I literally have no idea why I'm in this little room. I wanna go back into the country, start my life. I've been married for eight days. Like I wanna go back into the country and they said, well, you have an active arrest warrant right now, and we're probably gonna have to arrest you this evening. And if you can imagine what's going on in my mind, it's worse than you think. You know what I mean? It's worse than you're thinking. I'm thinking my wife is gonna divorce me after eight days of being married. She's gonna be like, who did I marry? Right? So I have to go back and tell my wife, hey Kathleen, um, I know we've been married for like eight days, but, I might be getting arrested this evening. He's gonna make some phone calls and stuff and try to get me out of it, but I think I'm gonna get arrested. And she handled it like a champ, right? Was just like, um, man, was strong, was like, babe, you go, it's fine. I'll get a hotel room, I'll get you out, I'll call your lawyer, it was great. An hour after that, he comes up with handcuffs this time. This is a true story, you can't make this up. He comes back with handcuffs and he's like, Excuse me, Mr. Dew, I'm sorry, but I am going to have to arrest you. Kiss your wife goodbye, and we're gonna take you to a holding cell, and then hours later, I'm gonna take you to the jail. And I literally got handcuffed in the airport coming back from my honeymoon after I've been married for eight days. Had to kiss my wife goodbye, one tear ran down her face, and then she went to the hotel, and I literally got handcuffed in the airport and held for four hours until they took me to the jail and finally realized that all of that had been handled previously. In that moment, I felt trapped hindered from experiencing the joy of freedom, the joy of marriage, the joy of going back to my apartment, right? I felt trapped. And obviously that's kind of a funny story, right? I can joke about it now, it's a good preacher story. But ultimately, uh, that for lots of people out in the world, and especially in the valley and in Wheeling, there's lots of people who feel trapped. There's a lot of people who feel trapped in an unhealthy marriage. There's a lot of people that feel trapped at a job they don't like. There's lots of people that feel trapped uh, with all kinds of hurts, habits, and hangups, except there's also a lot of people who feel trapped in alcohol and drug addiction. Man, there is, it's all over the world, but especially in the valley. It's all over the country, but especially in our town, 
here in Wheeling. It's a huge issue. Half of all prisoners who are currently in prison right now are there for a charge related to drug addiction. Hundreds of thousands of people in our region are enslaved to drug addiction. Every few minutes, a person overdoses and passes away from drug addiction. And these were already horrible stats. And then we were put in quarantine and these things have spiked like we've never seen in the history of our country. There's so many people who are trapped in drug and alcohol addiction. And this is the opposite of human flourishing found in Genesis 1 and 2. I love those passages, right? In Genesis 1 and 2, it's ultimately the creation of the world. And it's a picture of human flourishing. Like ideal human life is found in Genesis 1 and 2, right? It's Adam and Eve hanging out in the garden, enjoying life, having perfect intimacy with God and perfect intimacy with each other. They had rest and they were so blessed. Uh, they had awesome jobs that they loved, you know, counting animals and naming animals and doing all right? the... It, it's the picture of human flourishing. And on the opposite end of that is addiction. It's slavery. It's emptiness in your soul. It's the opposite of human flourishing. Addiction is everywhere. It's everywhere right now. It's an epidemic. And I've got three points for us. I hope these three points are encouraging, uh, that help us uh, to have a clear understanding of addiction and the answer to addiction. Here's point number one. Jesus is the answer to addiction. Jesus is the answer to addiction. Hey, if you're listening to this thing right now and you are currently enslaved in addiction, I want to tell you there's hope. This is not the end of the story for you. It doesn't have to be. There's a, I know the pain of waking up every morning with only one thing on your mind. I've got to get another shot of dope. I know the pain of, of, of um, spending time in a treatment center and then coming back with a strong reprieve. Never going to use again. Never going to drink again. I'm going to be fine. And then a few minutes later, a few hours later, a few days for some people, a few months, even a few years, that you cave in again. Man, I feel the pain of crying my eyes out coming home from an addiction class. Had some legal trouble at some point in my life and man, how they explained it was, hey, all you got to do is come to these classes, like eight classes. It's once a week and just don't get high or drunk and you'll pass and all this is going to be wiped away. And I cried coming home because I knew the second I got home, I was going to fill my vein with another shot of dope. I could not stay sober. I know your pain, but I'm also here to tell you that there's hope. There is a real God who made everything in the universe for his glory and our joy. He made you and I to have a perfect relationship with him. All those things I explained in Genesis 1 and 2, human flourishing, intimacy, wholeness feeling. We were made to enjoy all the blessings of the pleasures of intimacy with God and his blessing on us. 
except something has gone terribly wrong with that, and it's called sin. It explains in Romans 3 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means you and me and everyone. All of us have ultimately said, hey, God, I know this is how you say to live my life, but I think I'm smarter than you, so I'm going to live like I want to live. Hey, God, I know you say I should uh, serve you and worship you and that you're where joy is, but I'm going to try to look for it out in the world. And because of our sin, all of us are separated from the God of the universe and we're left with this hole in our soul. And everyone in the world is trying to fill that void in our soul with something. It's all kinds of things, man. For some people, it's money. It's if I can just get enough money, then I'll be happy and I'll be satisfied. And it's like, okay, okay, that doesn't work. If I can just find that right person, we hop from person to person trying to fill that void with other people and it doesn't work. <laughs> Except for people like me, And for some of you guys, it's alcohol and drugs. And we've tried to fill that void inside of our soul with a needle, with a pipe, or with a bottle. And for years we've done this, and eventually we become enslaved to it. And it traps our heart, our mind, and our body. And now we are literally trapped how I was in those handcuffs, except way worse. And he's a holy God. So that means his wrath is on all sin, including you and I. But the best news in the universe is that he's not just a holy God, he's also a loving father. And the God of the universe loves you and I so much that he sent his son Jesus here to live a perfect life in our place. He hung around with the wild ones when he was here, the screwed up people, the addicts, the prostitutes, the strippers. And he said crazy things like the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim freedom to the captives and freedom to the oppressed. He was quoting Isaiah there and he was healing people. When he was on earth, he was casting out devils. He was doing all of these crazy things. And then he was eventually arrested. He was crucified on a cross, put in a tomb, rose from the grave. And then he hung out for a few weeks and then he ascended into heaven. He left his Holy Spirit and he promises that he's coming back one day. And that's the answer to addiction. It's not try harder. It's not, if I can just white knuckle this thing so much, then I might be able to just live in this ordinary. No, 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 no. It is, hey, there is a greater pleasure and it's the presence of God. It's what you were made for. In his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. There is a God who you were made to know and you can have access to him because he loves you and he paid the price in order that you can come into right relationship with him and join him in his kingdom. We have a small group that I've been leading over the past few weeks. Uh, And there's a guy that uh, started coming to church actually the last time I was in town. He came, he was a hardcore alcoholic. He could not stop drinking. He had tried lots of different things, except he could not help himself. But he came, this was about a month and a half ago. He came and he heard about Jesus. He heard that good news I just explained to you, how Jesus is the answer to addiction. 
He placed his faith in Jesus that day and he didn't understand all the theology and all that it meant, but as best he knew how, he said, Jesus, I trust you. I'm gonna follow you. I love you. And he laid down his life in order that he could follow Jesus. I mean, over the past few weeks, he's been growing. It has not been easy. If you ask him, he'd be like, man, this has been tough. All right, but every morning he's been praying coming to church every week. He's a part of our group. Um, he's in community, trying to do better, trying to love his wife and his kids. He's, and, and he's doing so good. And every day when he gets off work, he prays. He says, God, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna go to the liquor store. I don't wanna go get some beer. Help me to make it. And he goes home and he's been weaning himself off of alcohol the past few weeks. And he's living in more freedom right now than he's ever lived in his entire life life. This is what can happen for you. It's not going to be easy. Oftentimes this is hard, very hard. But here's Jesus's invitation. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus's invitation uh, to you and I right now is, hey, if you're empty, hey, if you're um, enslaved, come to me, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is the answer to addiction, and here's point number two. He comforts us in our pain. Jesus, the Lord, He comforts us in our pain. And I know for a lot of us uh, that your issue is not drug addiction, that you've never really touched a drug, and that all this talk about addiction, you're sometimes like, man, I, I, I can't really relate with that except for probably 80% of the people listening, that we have a friend family member, parent, spouse, child, who is currently enslaved in addiction. I know the pain of the sleepless nights. I'm wondering, I wonder where they are. I wonder if I'm gonna get that phone call where that they aren't ever gonna come home again. I've lost too many friends to this thing. Too many, man. Too many. Well, I know for a lot of people that there is real pain involved with this topic. Um, and for a lot of us, it isn't only addiction, right? We have other pains in our life, a speech impediment or um, a, a, a hard marriage or a health issue or these other types of pain. You've had a miscarriage maybe or had an abortion in your past or, or, or whatever those things are. We all have pain and it's, and it's, and it's oftentimes easy to think, man, I'm, I'm alone in this pain. All right, like where is God in this? Except the Bible is clear. It says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And then Paul says this, which I, I just love this passage here. It says this in the um, second letter to the Corinthians. It's written by Paul. 
He says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, who comforts us in all our affliction, um, in order that we may be able also to comfort others who are in affliction with the comfort that we ourselves are comforted through God. I love Paul's words right here, right? Because he says, hey, there is a God who's not absent from our pain, except he's drawn to our pain. And he is a comforter. He's the God of all mercy and all comfort. And he is drawn to our pain and he will comfort you. And I just really feel right now that he's kind of, he's there. And there's some people hurting right now that are listening to the words I'm saying that um, just have all these questions and want the comfort of God. Uh, and I'm just, and I just open your heart to him right now. He is able to comfort you. And I love how he ends this scripture right here. He doesn't just say, all right, if you're hurting, uh, there's a God who can comfort you. But he says also that through his comfort of you, that you'll be able to comfort others as well. We also have a guy who's in our group uh, that has a past and addiction as well. Uh, but he got sober um, and he has a wife who's also in addiction who um, that she ended up relapsing and has a um, whole lot of prison time on her plate, to put it lightly. It's like 10 years or something. I mean, we've had a lot of conversations and the easy thing for him is, man, I'm just gonna run back into addiction, right? That's comforts there. I know that there's instant comfort over there I can get, except he's not. He's trusting in the Lord. He's being comforted through the presence of God and he's in our group and in that group, he pours so much comfort on other people, it's ridiculous, right? Like there's issues that come up and he's like, man, let me encourage you. Let me comfort you in this time because he himself has been comforted. He's able to comfort others. What if God was gonna use your pain in order to comfort other people who are also in that type of pain? Jesus is the answer to addiction. And here's number two, he comforts us in our pain and here's number three, you have a part to play. We all have a part to play. I think oftentimes, as we hear the stats about addiction, as we watch the news that are talking about all that's happening in our world and all the addicts that are dying and all the pain and all the hurt, it's easy to feel helpless. I understand that, man. As I've been, you know, praying about the addiction epidemic and trying to use how God has comforted me to comfort others and to advance the gospel and all these things, it's easy to kind of feel like, man, what in like what can I do? I'm one person. You're one person. It's easy to feel powerless. And in a lot of ways, we are powerless in and of ourselves. Yet there's at least three ways. There's many more, but three ways I want to highlight. Uh, that we can get involved in helping hurting people. Here's number one, we can pray. You can pray. I love the words of Jesus 
uh, when he's teaching the disciples how to pray. He says, hey, hey, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, pray that the kingdom of heaven, right? The perfection of Eden that we talked about in Genesis 1 and 2, but even higher than that, all the perfection of human flourishing in heaven, man, pray that that'll come here to earth. And in this addiction epidemic, man, there is a spiritual stronghold in our city of Wheeling. There's a spiritual stronghold all up and down the valley. And he says, pray that that would be broken. Pray that the kingdom of heaven would come into that. And I'm telling you how that stronghold is going to be broken is through people like you spending time on your knees, pleading with the Lord, hey God, let your kingdom come and your will be done in Wheeling as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Uh, But then let's also love people. I think it's easy to look at hurting people like addicts and homeless people and honestly kind of be scared of them. It's like, he's got earrings and he's got them tattoos. He looks, man, he like, like he's kind of scary. I think I've been clean for like 10 years and people still do that to me. So it's, it's totally fine, right? But it's easy to look at addicts like that and think, man, I'm scared of you. I need to keep my distance. But what addicts need most is love. They need people to love them where they're at and to encourage them. And when they show up at church, and I just want to prep you, there's going to be more addicts at Vineyard Church in the next coming years. In a year from now, there's going to be more. Ten years from now, there's going to be more. A hundred years from now, there's going to be more if Jesus doesn't come back prior to that. And we need people who aren't scared of the wild ones, but rather people who are willing to love them engage them in conversation, hand them a cup of coffee, even have them over to your house, ask them how they're doing. Um, I I remember uh, that when I first got saved, uh, that there was a man uh, uh, that was an usher in the church um, and he just had a heart for us. He didn't have anybody that he knew that was an addict, but he just had a heart for people like me. Um, and he had a whole bunch of us over to your house. There's probably 20 addicts all on his back porch, smoking cigarettes. It was super sketchy. There was like a smoke cloud going all over the place. He had a massive house. He lived on the lake and all these addicts are out back. I'm sure his neighbors were like, what's going on? But anyways, he'd have us over to his house and he'd just hang out with us. He'd have pizza, feed us and stuff. And then he'd open the Bible. I mean, we would talk for 20 or 30 minutes. And I don't know anything that he said out of the Bible, right? I don't remember anything that he uh, that he actually spoke out of the text. Yet I do remember that he loved us. He looked us in the eyes. He held a conversation with us. He didn't look down on us, but he loved us. And man, addicts are going to keep getting saved at the Vineyard Church. And we need people who are willing to engage them and teach them how to find and follow God after that. Pray, love, and then lastly, pursue. Pursue. I love uh, the passage in Luke chapter 8. Probably one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. And it's about the uh, demoniac. And ultimately, it's this crazy story where Jesus um, heads over and he meets this man that has a legion of demons inside of him. 
and he casts them all out in these pigs. They run into the water. It's this crazy story. And then the whole town freaks out. He goes back and preaches the gospel and all these people get saved. It's, it's a beautiful story. But oftentimes we don't look at what happens prior to that experience. I love all of Luke chapter 8. Uh, but as we look back in the text uh, that we see, they had to go through a hurricane on the Sea of Galilee in order to get over there. Explains like this, that the disciples are hanging out in the boat and Jesus goes and, and he's asleep on the boat, which is classic Jesus, right? He's like, oh, there's a storm. Let's, let's go to sleep. And the disciples are freaking out and, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? We're going to die. And so they finally wake Jesus up and he speaks and he calms the wind and the waves. And he says, you have little faith. Uh, but ultimately, I love that that came right prior to them going after the wild one. Because oftentimes, as we go and reach the wild ones, it's not going to be easy. Like, we're going to have to go through a storm in order to reach some of these people. As I've been praying for uh, the vineyard and uh, the addiction epidemic, a scripture keeps coming to mind. It's found in the book of Matthew, chapter 13. And, and ultimately, what's happening here in this scripture is that Jesus is explaining how the kingdom of heaven works. And he explains it's as small as a mustard seed. And then eventually uh, we plant that mustard seed. And after a long time, what happens is it grows and grows and grows into this massive tree. And it's a place where a whole bunch of animals and birds are able uh, to live. So and I love that picture, right? That Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven as a small seed. Right? It's not huge in power and everything changes instantaneously, but rather it comes in a small form, almost a way that you're like, oh, that doesn't even matter. And eventually after years and years and years, it's a place where the wild ones are able to come and find rest for their souls. And I believe this is what Jesus is doing through the Vineyard Church with the addiction epidemic, is that he is planting small seeds they kind of look, you know, like that, man, that's that. I don't think that's really going to make a difference. A small group, what's, what's that? Man, a, a church, what are they going to do, right? And it's these small seeds. And eventually I believe that, man, all those small seeds are eventually going to flip the city of Wheeling upside down for the gospel. So here's my question as we close this morning. What's your small seed he's encouraging you to plant? The small seed, I don't know what it could be, man. Maybe it's uh, to start praying. It's like, man, I'm just going to start praying against the addiction epidemic and, and, and chains are broken and, and um, I'm just going to pray. Um, or maybe it's a friend or family member that you know, man, hey, I just need to start loving them. I've had lots of hard conversations. I just need to make amends and try to start um, having conversations with them again, have them over to the house or something. I don't know, it could be a hundred things, but I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. And I believe he's going to tell you right now, what's your small seed that he's asking you to plant right now? I don't want to close like this. For some of us uh, that you are enslaved, uh, that whether it's alcohol, drugs, pornography, cell phone, whatever it is, a lot of us have real addictions in our life. And as I think about uh, the time that I was arrested on my honeymoon, um, 
the whole reason why I was able uh, to be freed ultimately isn't because I was real spiritual or that I, you know, had asked for it or that I had read my Bible or anything like that. The reason I was able to go free is because I had a lawyer who went to the judge who pled my case. And in that moment that that judge slammed down the gavel and said, he is forgiven. I don't count those things against him any more. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel because the way that you and I are able to go free is not because we're spiritual ourselves or that we try harder or that we do all these things, but rather that Jesus laid down his life for us. And as Jesus was crucified on the cross, the holy God of the universe slammed down the gavel and said, you are forgiven. All of the sin you've done, all of the harm you've caused has been placed on my son and it is paid for. I don't count that against you anymore. It says in Ephesians 1 that you are now holy and blameless without a spot or blemish. And I just want to encourage the Christians who are listening, who have um, hurts, habits, and hangups, and you feel enslaved, you are able to go free. And the prison doors have been open and the chains have been cut. You have the ability to go free only because of what Jesus has done on your behalf. And if you're listening to this and you're not yet a Christian, I just want to encourage you, come to Jesus. Jesus is the answer to addiction. He can free you from everything that entangles you. Place your faith in him. Pray something like this. It's not the prayer that saves you, but it's your heart posture of, hey, I, I, I really believe in Jesus. Pray something like this, if that's you. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner and I know I can't save myself, but I believe that you can. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave. I repent of my sin and I place my faith in you, Jesus. Teach me how to live for you for the rest of my life. I'm all yours. I love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you just did that, let us know. Uh, text us or in uh, the chat, let us know that you just placed your faith in Jesus, right? Because that's not the finish line, that's the starting block. I mean, one last thing I wanna tell you and then this thing's gonna be over. Uh, but I spent uh, the last two and a half years writing this book and it's uh, come out a couple days ago. And I just want to encourage you to get on Amazon and pick it up. It's called uh, The Real Answer to Addiction. Uh, and it gives a lot of practical steps of how you can live in forever freedom. I love you guys and I hope to hang out again soon. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God. And we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.